Welcome to Just a Parishioner. I'm Lorenz Zaragoza. I'm Sean Greeley. Thanks for downloading today's episode. All of our episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sean, I feel like it's been a few weeks since we've recorded last, but it's good to be back. Yeah, definitely. I know the last one we put out was just like a recorded talk, so we haven't actually been in our uh, illustrious studio here. So. And, and then the one before that, I actually was able to sit down uh, with Miss Mary Jane McQuaid. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to that, the timing of that episode couldn't be more perfect. Um, I was literally talking to her about what she thought uh, what happened in regards to the overturning Roe versus Wade. And since then, it, it's happened. So. I know. I'd actually love to hear her thoughts now. I almost wish it came out like, or that. Uh, interview happened a couple of weeks later. But. I told I told her when it goes down, we're going to have her back on. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll get her go. back here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you haven't already, definitely connect with us. We are on Instagram at just a parishioner and facebook.com slash just a parishioner. Look out soon. We are going to have a YouTube page up, uh, which is going to be very exciting. Um, kind of inception. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, then the YouTube site is already up. So we're good to go. It's pretty crazy. You think about how YouTube has changed. Like in 2007, there was like all those weird videos, like that shoes video or the cupcakes video, like all those weird kind of like uh, humor video, like comedy videos. And right. now it's like all super professional production and like video vlogs of people vacationing around Europe and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's really, really high, wild to see how it's changed. Yeah. Really high quality stuff. And a lot of people just get their information from it. I mean, personally, I'm somebody who likes to watch videos, but I'm a big podcast guy too. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not to say those 2007 videos weren't high quality. They were great. And they're still up there. <laughs> and they're still up there. <laughs> With like 70 million Chocolate views. rain. Never forget. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so look out for it. Uh, you're going to be able to watch us talk as opposed to listening to us talk. Um, but definitely connect with us when you can. Uh, we do have a great episode for you today. Um, I called you up maybe last week, two weeks ago, and told you about an awesome song that you still haven't listened to, but that's fine. Um, it's by Stephen Stanley and the uh, song is called note to self. Um, so pause it, you know, take a listen to that song, um, because that kind of inspired our thought process and, and our theme for today's episode, uh, which is called note to self. Uh, but essentially the, the premise of the song, Sean is talking to his former self and giving him advice to a younger person. Now he's not the first person to do that. It's not the first time, but it got me thinking of, uh, what we could be doing today. And I, I think just thinking about talking to whether it's 15-year-old us or 21-year-old us, 18-year-old us, uh, but kind of notes to self of what we would tell our Catholic selves back in the day. Um, and honestly, I've been reflecting on that a lot. See, Lorenz said all this to me and I'm like, well, okay, I don't even need to listen to the song now. Perfect. That's right. I might pull up the lyrics at some point while we're recording. <laughs> no, now I'm going to sing it to you. I'm not going to do that. Um, Please. Please. No, not going to say The it. listeners are begging for it. <laughs> um, but let's jump right into it, right? So um, we, we've come up with a few ourselves. So uh, if you were to talk to your younger self, um, and maybe I'll ask you what target age you would talk to uh, mm. of, of, your, of your younger self with, uh, with your first thing, what would that be? So I think, I think like the first thing that I thought of was trying to... I don't know, like trying to tell myself at a younger age. And if I guess I have to pick out an age, maybe maybe as early as like 13 or 14. Um, that was around like eighth or ninth grade for me. And I think just trying to give myself the message that like it's okay to care about your faith um, and not really to be worried about what other people will think about you if you do. Because, um, you know, I 
like I shared some of my story on previous episodes of like going to public school up through high school. And then I ended up going to a Catholic high school where it was very much like homogenous, where, you know, large majority of the students came from Catholic families. Well, let me, did, did, did people give you crap for being of the faith when you were that age? No. So the thing is, I wasn't like externally super of the faith at that age, yeah. but like there are times where I was in like, you know, I, I remember I got confirmed in eighth grade mm-hmm. and I remember like feeling like it was an important thing. But then the other kids in my uh, CCD classes from my church who didn't grow up in families who maybe reinforced it quite as much as my did, um, they treated it like a joke a lot of the time. Right. And it was, I mean, it, you're in eighth grade, so that's kind of something you might do. But like, I think I had this like inkling that it was something important, but I never let it like de- develop into a, an area where I would have become a lot more confident in it because of maybe how I thought other people would perceive it. And then by the time I got to high school, it was kind of like, well, everybody's Catholic, but nobody cares about it really. So I'm not going to be the kid who's going to care about it until, Mm -hmm. you know, my junior, senior year, I started paying a little bit more attention. And then in college, it took off a little bit more. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I remember in high school sitting in the bleachers at like the class masses that we used to have, right. The um, high school would get everybody in the gymnasium on the first Friday of every month for, you know, the high school mass uh, the school liturgies and we would, there would be like students serving at the mass and they would be like processing in with the priest. And I remember looking at them and being like, that's something I could do. Like I served mass when I was a kid. Um, I could do that, but there was never a part of me that like actively pursued it maybe because of that perception. So that's something I think I would go back and tell myself is like, not only is it like not something to be afraid of, but it's actually something to really like, be proud of and really like encourage yourself to do and like really pursue that because ultimately the relationship with Christ is the most important thing. But even outside of that, there's really great people that you're going to meet along the way that are also as invested in this uh, part of their life. You know what it is? I, I feel like when you're younger, you definitely, every, every young person has that mentality of I need to fit in and, and they're very self-conscious about it. Pretty much everybody that, leaks into our twenties and thirties too. So, um, you know, the need to fit in that, that never goes away. But what's sad when you talk about this is, you know, thank goodness you came to the realization of not, not only it doesn't matter what other people think, but let me seek out others who feel the way that I do kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but what's sad about that is some people, a lot of people probably haven't. Yeah. Um, I mean, so. to your point, like in college too, like even though I was involved in campus ministry and was pretty vocal about my faith and how important it was to me and going to mass every Sunday and everything, even in the like specific social situations where it was like, are you going to make this decision or this decision? Right. Are you going to do this? Or are you going to do that? Like I failed as often as most college students do to make the right decision a lot of the time because of like, whether it's the external peer pressure or just like the internalized anxiety or fear around that, you know, it's, it still happens. I mean, yeah, even <laughs> now, of definitely course it still, still happens where, you know, like your note to former self is like a note to me too. It's like, no, step it up. It doesn't matter what other people think. Right. Um, but you know, definitely fits a little bit more when you were younger because that, that social pressure, that, yeah. that aspect is, is huge. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one. And that actually leads into probably the first thing I would tell myself. And I would say this is probably to college me. Right. And if you've listened to my parishional profile, you know that I was the only Catholic in my group of a group of friends, right. uh, only practicing Catholic. So my thing I would tell myself is 
try to surround yourself with like-minded Catholics mm-hmm. um, as soon as possible. Um, and, and the reason why is uh, I alluded to it, you know, last year. The only way you're going to grow is if you surround yourself uh, with with like-minded people. Mm. Uh, one aspect is it, it's tough to grow when you're alone, mm-hmm. right? Um, you could obviously go deep into prayer. That'll help you grow as a Catholic. If you're attending mass, that's great too. But to be able to bounce how you feel with your peers or others around you, you'll just learn easier that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot about our, our faith is learning. Um, so to be able to have discussions like you and I do, yeah. um, I, le- I learn a lot from you and, and, and from other friends, uh, even just talking to my wife. The more we talk about it, the more it becomes clear. It'll never be crystal clear, but our faith gets clearer and we grow in our faith that way. So that's the first thing I would tell my former self, or my yeah. younger self is surround yourself with, with like-minded Catholics. You don't need to ditch all your old friends, right? right? Uh, um, but definitely at least plant one, two, three other people who have that devout faith like you do uh, and, and surround yourself with them. Yeah, and then uh, what do you think about this too? Like I think of the idea of like, if you're with people who share the same morals or share the same worldview, like they're going to be able to challenge you on things that you're doing too. Like your, the personal morality side of it. Like they know you better than most people do because you share that common bond. Like, do you think that would have been something that would have been helpful too? Like as, as you were progressing in age and everything like that. For sure. I, I would say that. I mean, I just think about us, like we, we chat, we know each other well enough where we can like have, you know, confrontational or not confrontational, but like admonishing conversations with each other at certain times or like other friends of ours too. Like, I think that that's like a really valuable part of having those kinds of friendships. Well, the closest people to you, they're, they're, they're going to challenge you and they're going to call you out when you're being an idiot. Right. <laughs> Our wives I mean? do that, right? You right. Know? Exactly. <laughs> More times than we'd like, but it happens. <laughs> right. Um, but no, they, that the closest people to you are going to challenge you. So, and I think if you, let me put it this way. If if I've got a football friend and we love the Giants and we we could talk about the Giants all day long, but if that's all we're going to talk about, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to challenge him on some serious stuff. 100%. Um yeah. but now that could be a great stepping stone into a deeper conversation. Sure. It's all good stuff, but the de- but having something like faith in common. Uh, now now we could get into the weeds yeah. and <laughs> four or five conversations in you know, we could be closer than that football friend for five years. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Um, I so, mean, there's, there's so much of like, just do what you want to do in, in the world. And I think that having, like, to your point, just having people around you who are willing to, and able to challenge you based on a shared worldview, like, it, I think it does allow you to grow at a lot more of an advanced rate or, or however you would frame that, you know? For sure. Um, so what was the, what would be the second thing that you would tell yourself younger you yeah and what age do you think you're talking to yeah i think kind of in the same vein of like i mean uh we did a episode a few episodes ago about um some of the resources that we've looked at that have really helped to shape our faith and shape the way that we've approached it and i think i would have encouraged myself at a younger age too to like dive into um catholic reading and catholic education a little bit more Mm -hmm. So again, like I remember in high school, so maybe high school myself, I would talk to you, but I remember in high school and sitting in theology classes, which again, were treated as a joke for, by most students. And, you know, if you were trying, you were really just doing it to get an A so your um, GPA wouldn't fall. But 
I remember being interested in the stories. Like I was familiar with most of the biblical stories we talked about, but um, maybe the quality of the education wasn't the best from the teachers, like as far as framing it for students that age. But I really wish that I invested a little bit more of my own time into reading about the biblical stories or reading the Bible itself um, or, you know, church history. And then ultimately like spirituality and prayer and um, understanding like apologetics and arguments for the faith, like that kind of stuff at a younger age too. It's not like I've, it's not like I think I would be like this uh, theologian at this point, but if I had that, but I think that it would have just prepared me at an earlier age to approach the world in a different way too. Mm-hmm. So a lot, again, a lot of that personal development stuff, similar to my first topic, but I think that specifically like reading some of the things that I'm now very passionate about a little bit earlier in life might've helped to shape that passion at an earlier age. And um, I think this is going to be like a theme of everything that we talk about, but really like the time that we have on earth is extremely valuable. And so in retrospect, you're like, oh man, I wish I did this thing that I really care about earlier. Um, yeah. I mean, when you say that, I feel personally attacked because I already want to get to your level from a Catholic education perspective. No, uh, I was going to say from a reading perspective, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the running joke is Lorenz never reads a book. So. That's right. Um I will say this, there, there is this point in, in a lot of our Catholic journeys where it seems pretty easy and the faith seems pretty easy. And sometimes it is, <laughs> you know, sometimes it is. It's like, listen, try to be a good person, do your best, help those who are not fortunate, yeah. as fortunate as you and get to mass every Sunday. I mean, that's, that's as simple as it gets, yeah. but for a long time, for me personally, I thought that's pretty much it. You know, that's all, that's all you need to do. Um, and that's okay. And and I thought that was, that, that's all right. That's all I need to do. And then as I start to learn more and more, I realize how much there is to know, mm. um, how intricate, I'm, I'm not going to say the rules are, but our faith is and our mm-hmm. tradition is. Um, and the more I learn, I, the more I realize how much I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I that's know. what, that's what. Uh, scared me maybe when I had a turning point, maybe three or four years ago where I'm like, Oh man, I thought I knew my stuff. I know absolutely nothing. Yeah. And if I thought I knew 50% of the faith, now I realize I know 5% of the faith. Yeah. Um, But I learned, but I know more than I did when I thought I knew 50, if that makes any sense. It does, but it's actually, I mean, I feel like we both feel the way where it's almost like incredible when that moment happens because we feel like we know so much and we feel like we have a good handle and most Catholics probably do walk into church. But like when you are presented with like a question that you don't know the answer to, it's like, Oh shoot. Like there's more to be known. Yeah. You know? And, and what scares me is like how I'm going to feel about 35 me, 35 year old me when I'm 45. Right. You know, because God willing, I'm going to learn even more and uh, about our faith. So yeah. I'm going to look back and be like, remember that time we did that podcast about what we knew and what we didn't know? Right. Well, we knew nothing. Right. <laughs> so that's, that scares me a lot. Uh, I am going to jump into my second note to myself, uh, but let's take a quick break and we'll jump right back into it. Perfect. Right, we are back. Sean and I are talking about our notes to our younger selves, our younger Catholic selves. And um, Sean shared two of his notes. I've shared one of mine. Um, I'm going to dive into my second one. And and that note is to um, maybe 20-year-old me, 22-year-old me. 
I'm trying to think of how old I was when I met my wife, but it's a very personal one. And it's, it's one that's kind of twofold because uh, my wife and I did, did live with each other before we got married. And the reasons I said were twofold. The first one is that uh, our parents, I love them to death, <laughs> but when we said that we were going to live together, neither of our parents uh, pushed back. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were like, oh, that's great. You know, good for you guys taking the next step in this right. secular uh, way that we go about things. Sure. Um, again, you know, I'll, I'll get the U-Haul, <laughs> that, that, right, that, right. that kind of deal. And all coming from like a place of love. A but, place of you know. love, like no malice behind it at all. But uh, But again- uh, no pushback whatsoever. And, and, but the second thing, and this is probably the most important, is that uh, I just didn't understand how important the actual sacrament of marriage was. I knew it was important. Um, I knew that it was forever. You know, I, I, so from a faith perspective, yeah, I knew that it was forever and that was non-negotiable, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I didn't know what actually happens during, during that marriage, uh, during right. that sacrament. And if I did, you know, going, talking to my younger self, this is what I would tell myself is like, I know you want to, I know it's tempting to just, you know what, just don't do it. Right. Um, for the sake of pleasing God and, and, and being, being, uh, you know, out of sin, number one, but for the sake of your marriage too. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing for the sake of your marriage. Um, you, you, you it's just going to be that much more special and holy. Mm. Now, with that said, we're at a place right now where it happened. We look back, we went to confession, <laughs> like, right, yeah. but, um, but, you know, uh, and my wife feels the same way. So I know that I'm, I, I can speak for both of us when we say, man, if, if we, if we were to redo that, right. we would absolutely go back and, and say, we want to, but we're going to hold off and wait until marriage. Um, you know, I look at you and Julia, I look at a couple of our other friends, uh, and you did it, quote unquote, the right way, right? You, you, you know, you waited uh, until marriage to live together. And and there is part of me that's like, man, that's uh, that's pretty special. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because Julia and I, we recently started helping out a little bit with uh, the diocesan. Um, I always say RCIA. That's not what it is. It's the pre-canner program. Pre-canner, right, right. Um, but it's mostly, almost entirely, couples who don't really care about church and they just want to get married in a church, right? So they sign up for the diocesan one because that's the only one that they, they Google online how to do that and they end up at the diocesan uh, pre-cana. Right. And in the beginning, like, they or one of the talks, they ask, like, who here actually goes to church? And, like, nobody raises their hand. Like, all right, well, who here lives together? Everybody raises their hand, mm-hmm. right? It's just such a part of, like, culture and, like, normalcy and especially people who don't grow up with in a family that like tells them not to, you know, right. like so most parents, even if they do go to church, they're just like, yeah, like that's just what you do. You know, it's like a normal thing to do. I mean, to that point, my parents and Katie's parents are in church every Sunday. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, they, and they're not telling us, Hey, don't do that. Yeah. You know? I mean, so. listen, my, my parents, when Julie and I didn't move in together, we're like, Oh yeah, you're not going to do that. And, like, I mean, they, they were happy that we weren't for in, in many ways, but I think right. they thought it would be easier if we did in many ways too, you know? And, I mean, I think that Julia and I both like, we knew each other for so long and we entered into the relationship after many relationships, well, not many, but at relationships before that, where we weren't dating people who really cared about their faith. And we both ended up found ourselves, you know, potentially making sacrifices of our faith to accommodate that person. Mm-hmm. And so like 
from those experiences, we entered into it being like, all right, like what are the really important things about dating? Like we care about marriage. So we're not going to, uh, we're, we're going to date intentionally to see if this is somebody we're going to marry. Right. And then like, are we going to live together? Like, no, we're not going to, are we going to sleep together? Like, no, we're not going to, like, we're going to try to abstain from those things because ultimately like, to your point, the sacrament is so important, but also like the lifestyle change. That's like another huge component of it. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, and, and none of this, uh, I mean, our entire podcast shouldn't come off as judgmental because nah. we're just trying to figure it out too. It's, and, and if, if you take that advice, it's, or you hear what I'm saying, it's not like, oh, well, Lorenz thinks I'm a horrible person. Right. Not for this. No, I'm just <laughs> but it, maybe it, other reasons. It, maybe other reasons. I don't. I don't even know you. <laughs> yeah. And if I do know you, I probably you know it's it's something else. Not this though. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but but in, in all honesty, it's one of those things where, you know, kind of if if you can, just learn from my mistake, and, and that's that's what I'm telling myself. Like, no, I, yeah. I, I I'm looking back, and that's a regret I have. Down the road, you may regret it, you may not, but that's just personally a regret that I have from it. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's funny because I look at you and Katie as like such an awesome model of a Catholic family, and like it's the last thing that anybody would think of. Like now, especially now, you guys have been married for what, like six years, five, seven years. So let's go with eight, close to eight years. Close going to on, eight going years. in eight years. Yeah, it's crazy. And you have four kids now, mm-hmm. so it's like the last thing I would think of is like, well, what was your living situation before you guys got married? But like it's it's cool that you still think of it like not necessarily in regret maybe a little bit but like more like you wish you had like the right footing earlier and even though you're in such an incredible place now you know yeah i guess that's what it comes down to it's i mean you could always if you don't look back and think of things that you could change then then you're never going to grow moving forward i yeah. think um you know like some of the best pro athletes in the world they'll go look back at their best games and and look at uh man I wish I hit that hole as opposed to the right. as to the a hole that the a hole as the b hole that I hit you know <laughs> between the tackle and the guard playing football yeah <laughs> um but like the, everybody has regrets looking back at tape and right. and if you don't then then you're not going to be able to adjust your game moving forward yeah and the cool thing is like i mean we just talked about how it's such a norm in the culture and it's such a normal thing that parent most parents don't really care about or think about for their kids but like someday when your kids are older and they're dating and maybe getting engaged in things like that like maybe you'll have a different perspective as a result of your reflection on that you know it's that part scares me too now, yeah. now that you mentioned that that part scares me that confrontation potential confrontation is terrifying a little I, bit I, you, know? I, you know what it is because not that they'd be right in doing so but if they if if they knew they could easily say well you did. Oh, <laughs> you know what I that's mean? That's a good point. I <laughs> so, didn't think about that. Yeah. So like, uh, oh, I, I, I want to move in with, uh, I want to move in with my, my boyfriend. Um, well, I think that, nope, you did that. So um, now, now I'm talking to future me, just stand strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, future oh, advice man. now. We're going to yeah. do that for the next episode. <laughs> oh, keep it, write that down. That's future right. advice. What am I going to tell myself in the future? Um, all right. So what's the, uh, what's another thing that you would say to your, uh, younger self? Yeah. So, I mean, similar line of thought, not the same exact thing, but the last thing I can think of is like, I mean, my, one of my quote unquote regrets, even though I'm happy with where I am in life and I, maybe I wouldn't have ended up here had I, um, not taken the path in life that I did, but part of me just wishes I was able to like date and marry my wife earlier. Now there's a caveat there because I was 20, 28 when we got married. I'm 28 now. Um, 
and she was 24 when we got married. So like, it's not like we were on the older side by any means and especially her, but kind of in the same vein as what I said before of like time being so precious and like truly like youth is our greatest wealth. Um, like you could ask any billionaire, would you rather have double the amount of money that you have now? Or would you rather be able to go back 40 years? I'm assuming they're like in their sixties. Like, oh, like no, no question asked. They would go back 40 years right. and be able to enjoy their youth again. They'd know? probably give up a, the majority of their wealth now. Yeah. <laughs> to, they'd probably give it all up. Yeah. Give it all up. Right. Um, like any 16 year old has far more wealth than most like 50 year olds do just by virtue of being 16. All that to say that if I could have spent more time in my life with my wife, right, which would have in turn most likely led to spending more time with my future children and my mm-hmm. future grandchildren, um, that, w- that would be amazing. You know, it's like right now I'm 28. I'll be 29 later this year. We don't have kids yet, which means that, you know, at soonest that I'll have a kid will probably be around 30. Mm-hmm which means that I really only have like, I mean, who knows how much time, but on average, like another 35 to 45 years to spend with my kid then. And it's like, man, if I could kick that out to like 37 to 47 years, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Right. You know, and then grandkids too, and whatever else down the line comes, um, not to mention my wife. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about that. And then I think about that. I mean, I don't know. Most people are a little older when they get married maybe it's more pressing of a thought, but I th- even, even with us being a little younger, it's like, you just think about it a little bit. You know, that's why my wife and I wanted to have kids ASAP. Yeah. You know, after we got married, we're like, oh, you know, let's have kids as soon as we can. We want to have kids. And this isn't, again, <laughs> it may sound like sound judgmental to those who want to wait. Every situation is different, but in our situation, we saw it as that we're ready. We're ready mentally. We're ready emotionally. Um, I'm not even going to say ready financially. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that should be a reason. Now, yeah. don't be irresponsible. But and the the reason why is because you'll figure it out. Right. You're going to figure it out. And at the end of the day, you have more time with your kids in your life, right? And grandkids, God willing, right? Yeah. And so we're like, we want to have kids, and we want to have them close together. Number one, because that means that we have more kids and more time with them. Um, but also that they're going to be closer in age. And that's a, that's a different thing. Sure. Um, but no, we wanted to have kids for a lot for that reason. It's listen, when my youngest is graduating high school, um, I'll, I'll be in my forties still. Yeah. It's a great, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a great, that's a great feeling. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I'm excited for that. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it's, it's kind of wild. Like, I mean, again, this isn't a judgmental thing, but like you see, you know, young children with parents who look like they're in like their mid forties already, you know, kids who are like four or five years old. And you're just like, I don't, I don't know if that person has regrets about that, but part of you maybe thinks they do. I don't know. Now, now I'll say this, a lot of that might not been within their control. That's true. You know, I'm coming off with like an eight, like a reverse ageism right now a little bit. No, 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 that's because I'll, I'll say that, it's pro- some of them or a lot of them, it might not be within their control. Sure. But for the, I think you're speaking about the ones who made that conscious decision to wait. It's like, well, do you have regrets about that? Yeah. You know, so because, and that's, I think that's a legitimate question to, to ask because at the end of the day, f- from what you said before, time is the most valuable thing uh, that we have on earth here. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Outside of our relationship with God. And, and, 
like just to put a cap on that, like I'm not trying to be like, like Lauren said, like not trying to be judgmental about anybody, but like almost encouraging for if you are like young on the younger side in your twenties and you're either married or you're looking to get married or like marriage might be the furthest thing from your mind, but maybe it's something to think about because, you know, assuming you're not planning to have any children before you got married, then, you know, you want to have as much time with your kids, I think as possible. I think there's just a lot of value in that. Yeah. A lot of value. Um, all right. So that was your, that was your, that was your third, right? That was my number three. That's okay, right. good. So I'll jump into, uh, you know, the last one that I thought of. Uh, no, actually I'm going to change my second one to that one. That was a good one. I'm not going to say my wife and I shouldn't have lived together. Let's just back it up and just get married and then live together right when we were supposed to. <laughs> yeah, That's right. good. Okay. Um, no, the last one here is um, get to know what adoration is. Get to know what adoration is and go to it mm. because to be honest, the first time I've heard about adoration was probably in my mid to mid twenties. Right, mid twenties. Meanwhile, uh, it sounds like you were going to it throughout college and maybe maybe in high school too. Were you going uh, to any adoration? No, I never knew what adoration was until my freshman year of college. Okay, which again, yeah, you know, the failures of some Catholic schooling, I guess. But right, but but it, that's what I'm going to tell you know younger me is like get know what ad, get to know what adoration is and get to it as much as possible. Um, because in my, in my late twenties and my, my thirties, and it's just, that is some of the most special time throughout the years, the time that I can just, you know, kneel and pray and not come up to consume, but just sit with Jesus. Yeah. Um, something so special that I never even knew was available to us. And maybe when I was younger, it just wasn't as available as it is now. That could be a possibility too. Yeah. Um, but talking to my, as young as I could talk to that would listen to me, get to know what adoration is and get to it as much as you can. And I'm saying that to myself too, because there's a lot that I miss for obvious reasons, but find a way to get to it. I love that. Let me ask, I'm curious about this for yourself. Like, have have you ever been in like a period of time where like you've gone like pretty consistently to adoration or like a lot of times and like a short, like a number, a, a higher number of times of going in a shorter amount of you know time? Um, I want to say maybe during Lent, maybe during Lent, I probably get to adoration much more than I would throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I would never call it consistent. So, well, so like in Lent, if you go maybe like a few times during Lent, do you notice any difference in like those periods of prayer when you're going more regularly versus like the one-off that you might go to? I would say that I get better at it. Yeah, <laughs> you right. You, you're like more comfortable staying for longer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll be, yeah, I think that's exactly it. I'll be able to stay for longer. I'm not talking about like a holy hour because that one is pretty. Uh, well, that's like a set in time. That's a set thing. in time, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about, oh, on Mondays, the the blessed sacrament will be out for the six hours and i'll be like all right let's let's let me pop in now some days obviously the day gets crazy i'm like all right let me pop in for five minutes right um but but i probably towards the end of lent i'm able to actually just sit and and be with him for longer periods and get into probably a better prayer state than i do the reason i ask that why yeah well yeah the the reason i ask is like I think about the times where I had the most flexibility to be able to go for like a longer period to, to go more frequently. And like it was in college where there would be like monthly adorations or whatever through campus ministry and like local churches where I just had time to go. Um, and then when I was in seminary, obviously I was doing adoration like every single day I was spending mm-hmm. time, usually at least an hour. 
um, with the Lord. And in those times, it, it was like, like you said, a lot easier to like sit there and have that time. Um, another one was when I was working in campus ministry after I left seminary. We had every Thursday night, we would do a holy hour. And, you know, whether it was like journaling or, or spending time in silent prayer or praying rosary or whatever it was, like it felt like I had a better communication with Christ in that time versus times like now where I don't go as often. And to your point, I should go more often. Um, and maybe there are like, while I'm driving around for my job, there are churches that have like perpetual adoration chapels and I'll go in and maybe spend like you said, like five, 10 minutes. And then I feel like all the pressures of the outside world being like, no, you need, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be here. And there's other responsibilities you have and let's go do this instead. When meanwhile, like those, you know, I could spend an extra few minutes and I think it's just easier to get distracted when you're doing it like a one-off. But even so, like, I, I mean, I'm just kind of like picking your brain a little bit on that, I guess. But um, I mean, even if you've never gone before, going for five minutes is like still such a powerful thing to oh, be able to do. You for know? sure. I mean, any time spent with Jesus is time well spent. So, I, I mean, I hear, I've heard stories of um, youth groups getting to Steubenville in New York City for the first time and seeing these teenagers hysterically crying. And it's like, and a lot of that is probably, they have no idea what's happening to them mm-hmm. at that point because they've never been exposed to the sacrament yeah. in, in that way before. Yeah. A lot of it's um, the Holy Spirit. A lot of it is just like reckoning with their own sin, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll say this, the, the most um, emotional uh, adoration I've been to was my wife and I, we went to like a small, a small, like little gathering. It was like a private adoration over here, uh, at, at our local parish. And there was maybe like nine of us in our, in our mid to young twenties, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't know how it was arranged, but we showed up. And at that time, our, uh, my wife and I, we were, I think we just experienced our first miscarriage at the time. Yeah. Wow. And we were just kneeling before the sacrament and man, tears just started rolling down our face next to each other. And we, we both knew why. But this is the crazy part. We look around the room and other people, like maybe half out of the nine of us, more than half of the nine of us are crying too. Not for the reasons we're crying, but for something else going on yeah. with them. That yeah. Jesus is just talking to them and speaking to them at that point. So it was... Uh, that was probably the one of the best experiences I've had at Adoration. Man, if you guys can't see it on the cameras, Lorenz is tearing up right now. That's I'm, right. I'm on the verge. So. And with that said, we are going to take another break and we're going to wrap up when we get back. All right. All right, we are back. We're back. I've composed myself yeah, after getting choked up talking about the last segment. Yeah, well worth getting choked up over, but yeah, you know. yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's that's what it is. That, like those are notes to ourselves, and I could probably think of another six or seven if uh, <laughs> little notes to myself if, yeah. if I if I really sat down. Definitely. And we could go. We could probably go on for the next two hours, but we'll spare you of that. Yeah, um, love to hear from you guys. You know, drop drop it in comments. Like if there's something that you could tell yourself when you were younger, let us know. It'd be, you know. A, a great kind of thing to be able to reflect on for ourselves to hear from some other people too. Yeah. And we would, we would love to share that uh, with the other listeners too, because I'm sure 
as you're listening, you're thinking of, oh, I, w- I wish I could tell that to myself too. Or uh, like to Sean's point, oh, I have a few that I would definitely tell myself. Um, but I, I guess I'll, what, what I'll do is challenge ourselves here is to at least take those points and apply them to our own lives. Like some we can do, some we obviously can't. Like sure. I, I can't apply not living with my wife now. Right? <laughs> right. Um, but but there are things like, no, maybe I should get to adoration more now. Um, yeah. You know, maybe you should spend more time reading and getting to know our faith now. Well, you it's know? kind of, I mean, recently I've been reading a lot more than I had been, but I'm strictly, right. So far all I've read is like Roman and French history. I'm reading a lot about the French Revolution right now. It's pretty intense stuff. Nothing to do with Catholicism. Pretty anti-Catholic in a lot of ways. Well, educating yourself in yeah. general. All good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's 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 finding ways to level up our faith. And, and, and I know for sure that over the next 10 years, I'm going to have some regrets over the next 10 years to look back and say, hey, 38-year-old you, you're an idiot. You should do things this way. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, no regrets. You, you are where you are now. Um, and it, it's just about building on top of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Any other final thoughts from you before we close out, Sean? Um, no, I think, you know, everybody can look back and want to change things, but you know, the, the beautiful thing about the way God created us and created the world is that every day is a new opportunity to start to capitalize on those desires to grow in relationship with him and to advance our own humanity in the best way possible. You say no. And then you say something like that. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, definitely please, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can connect with us on Instagram at just a parishioner or Facebook.com slash just a parishioner. You can shoot us an email at we parishioners at gmail.com. So again, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. Please pray for us. We're praying for you. God bless. I'm carrying